Join us! We're hitting the bridge, exploring German language and culture. Let's take a deep dive into German mentality, uncovering hidden treasures, and demystifying German pop culture. I'm Alexandra, an American rooted in Germany for the long run. And I'm Larissa, a German discovering my authentic roots. What we're gonna do right here is go Hello there. This is Alexandra, and I'm sitting here with a dear friend of mine, Larissa. And, and we're hitting the bridge today, huh? Is that the plan? That You're is the plan. Right, we came here to hit the bridge. That's the title of our podcast, by the way, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> so, where does that come from? I think we need to answer that question first. Why did we choose that name, Alex? Well, I mean, sounds pretty catchy, doesn't it? It does. And then we can always say, we're hitting the bridge. <laughs> But like, if we're talking about language and culture, I think the bridge is a very significant symbol. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about connecting things together. But it originally came from a German phrase yeah. that we have. It's a German idiom, which would be die Brücke schlagen, zu etwas. Meaning hitting the bridge to something, so connecting topics, cultures, people. That's what we're all about, I guess. Hitting the bridge. <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited that we are starting today, yeah, right? We've got so much to share. It's going to be about language and culture in life in Germany. Mm -hmm. What we noticed, and that's how the idea came together, Alex has been living here for quite some time already. How many years do you know? Um, that is a very interesting question because I've lived in Germany multiple times already. Mm -hmm. But uh, this time around, I've been here since 2013. Wow, that's eight years. Really? Yes. You're right, you're right. Wow. Already eight years and I have my uh, residence permit now, so... It looks mm -hmm. like I'm not going to be going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, and I grew up in Germany. And when we met, we immediately started talking about all things cultural and observations we made. And it was so interesting. We, we just couldn't get enough. We were speaking about it for hours and hours. And we thought we might as well just share it with others. Yeah, it's been a very slow development. Mm -hmm of coming to this podcast idea. And that's why we thought it is the perfect time of the year to get started. But really, it's about um, bringing full circle the topics that we talk about on a daily basis with each other. Mm -hmm. And we thought it would be a great thing to share. Mm -hmm. Maybe other people would enjoy and find it just as interesting as we do when yes. we get together. And the exciting part is Alex is quite insightful, I'd say. She's been here. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know that. Oh my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> So you've been living here for quite some time and I think you've got a deep understanding of what's going on in different areas and well both of us know it is highly diverse. It is comparable to other countries in Europe but we do believe there are certain things that make Germany very unique. Oh yeah. 
in comparison to um, bordering countries and cultures. There are lots and lots of stereotypes. What I would want to say about that is that everyone has stereotypes and the things that make a stereotype long-standing are very powerful images we associate in our mind. And as long as we have the image, like for example, we think about, you know, sauerkraut or pretzels beer. or wurst, like the meats and beer, of course, um, Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. And we still have these ideas in um, German society. Mm -hmm. So as long as that is standing, we're going to still have these stereotypes associated with it. Yeah, but it, is that the modern Germany? Exactly. Um, so I think the question is, sure, just because uh, these ideas um, exist, is that a part of reality? Mm -hmm. And how significant is that in modern day Germany, yeah. like you mentioned? For me as a German, I, it's basically about exploring my own identity as well. Because what I noticed from growing up in Germany, in the 90s especially, we were confronted with a lot of media from English-speaking countries, meaning the US or the UK. It was all around. So we, from, from a little age, we learned a lot about English-speaking culture. But what I found is that my own culture that I grew up in and my own identity are not really represented in the media. Whenever you see movies where Germans are portrayed, it's usually in a war scenario or, well, just nothing I can identify with or that feels like the life I experience. So for example, especially in the 90s in Germany, it wasn't a war zone and the military didn't have a stronghold in daily life. Mm -hmm. And then of course, like if you have a strong influence from English music coming in and English TV shows even and the films, then you're going to take a look around in your daily life and think, well, what what is it really like here? Mm -hmm. Is this still true? Mm -hmm. Or what do I find so interesting about the books and TV shows I'm currently consuming? Yes. But when I met you, Larissa, like one thing that I really found like interesting and like why we are such good friends is that we have so much in common. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. And kind of what you told me about how you grew up, and even though I grew up in America, I, w I really knew had we met each other in our teenage years, we would be the best friends, you know? Immediately, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so it isn't, um, we're not bonding over um, the influence of um, English speaking media no. and we're not bonding over all things about German society either. So what is this deep connection that we're really talking about that maybe others can relate to as well mm -hmm. on a global level? Absolutely. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Many Germans do not have an identity that they could consciously describe. And what I experience is uh, having been told what we are, who we are, for years and years until I started exploring my own identity. And I was only able to question my own identity by meeting people from other cultures, mostly English-speaking countries. And I only noticed how odd certain things were for them when I 
took them for granted and I never questioned them. Because I think that's a really good point you're bringing up. But maybe to like give just a small example, like what, what is one example you could think of right now? Whew. The first thing that comes to mind that is a huge topic is the German guilt and shame that is obvious to me on a daily basis. And I think it comes from a historical background. It's so ingrained in us. Kind of going off of that, like you, why I wanted one example from you is because you mentioned that if you were to, you know, get into these kinds of uh, topics with English speakers, for example, and then they become very shocked about it. Like, oh, wow, I've never thought of that before. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of an in-between example where I'm a part of German culture and society, but I'm not like you. I don't have my roots here. At the same time, I wouldn't be like, I'm kind of shocked by how other people would be shocked because I understand it, even though I still am a bit of an outsider. Mm -hmm. And that is a really apparent point yeah. of how um, shame and guilt are processed. Absolutely. I think it becomes even more obvious when we speak about patriotism that just isn't a real thing in Germany. It's somewhat connected to shame as well, to be proud of your own identity or country. There are moments in modern time in German society where um, Germans will have an outlet for their pride yes. or for excitement in association to their nationality. Like if we think about um, the World Cup, for example, oh, yeah. or if we think about you know, any European um, championship for football. Yeah, but also think about economics. That was my next point that I would address yeah. too. If we're talking about brand loyalty, you know, Germans are really proud of their cars. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's not just about like the brand and the look of a model, but it is about their understanding of the German engineering that went behind it mm -hmm. and the significance it has in the global market. Speaking about cliches, what I noticed is many people know about Berlin and Munich and the Oktoberfest. They have certain stereotypes in mind. But I think the majority of people have a very basic historical understanding mm -hmm. of, you know, the cities that you just mentioned, but they don't really know the city. They don't really know like the everyday life there. Yeah. If we're talking about Germany, like the most international often you're going to get is Berlin. Mm -hmm. And Munich is the polar opposite. It's very conservative in, in a sense. And for those of you who don't know, um, Munich is located in Bavaria. So most of the stereotypes that are known through media go back to Bavaria, Bavarian lifestyle. So why did we think it was interesting to speak about all of these things, about Germany in general? Are there things to uncover? Are there things to discover that are not as known yet? Have you discovered things you didn't know before you moved here? That I didn't know before? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, and I think part of it too, like for me, 
I wasn't very affected by culture shock in Germany. And it's because there, when you do learn the language, or if you do take courses, then there is a small introduction, just like, you know, they give you a nugget and then another one about what it's like in Germany and maybe a few customs. So you have an idea about what to expect. But again, you're creating images in your mind. And then once you, in reality, you can actually travel to Germany like I did and live there long term then those images begin changing. And so for me, I would learn the language and then interact with German speakers in Germany from an observational point. So you would also think due to globalization and such that the world has grown together. We share a lot of values and We have similar experiences in many ways, but at the same time, would you say it's still worth exploring Germany? Yes, and because like what I was um, trying to tie in, despite observing everything and being very open and having allowing that to shape my experiences here, I can't know every single thing. And even to this day, there are things I'm still discovering about German language and culture and the way people really live. Because like for me, I think that is the point I would like to hit home. It, it is about getting to know on a personal level who Germans really are, mm -hmm. how they really live. Mm -hmm. And there is not one stereotypical image that would portray it. It is a very diverse answer, it's very unique. And the only way you can truly explore that is by really intimately getting to know how individual Germans or German families live. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get the richness in the different customs and traditions they have and their opinions and how they, they view life and how they view their own German identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can't do it as an outsider. You really have to, you know, find an open door and get to know the people. And for me, the only way to do that is still to this day through the German language. Yeah. You can't use a language like English for it. You really need to do it in German. That will be my next uh, question I have for you. Um, it's not just about day-to-day -day life, but also about learning the language and exploring the culture through language. That is the best way to put it. And that really is um, one of my main points as well. Mm -hmm. So language is very representative of certain values and ways of thinking. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and it's kind of like what you mentioned before, using the example of shame and guilt mm -hmm. and how that is expressed through the language. Mm -hmm. And only by um, already understanding the language and being quite fluent in it, are you able to really understand in the meaning through the words, like what exactly, you know, the, this person is you know, trying to communicate, yeah. what they really are thinking. And the language is oftentimes used very differently and certain words are used very differently. The tone of voice, is oftentimes very differently and you can't just translate culture when you translate tr language you really need to have a deeper understanding of what p 
people try to say by using certain words. And that is why we are hitting the bridge, because I believe there is such a strong, unique connection between language and culture. They are intertwined. Mm -hmm. You really can't separate them. And that's why we have this bridge. Yeah. And that we can sort of give an outlook on that as well, because what we are going to speak about at some point is also how gendered German language is. So does the language change the way we look at people as well and women and men and their roles? Because for linguistics, that is already um, a long addressed topic mm -hmm. and it doesn't go away because the like how we view gender and language, mm -hmm. it hasn't gone away either. We are still very interested in it from a linguistic and social Yeah, sociological point of view. Yeah. Um, but then I would argue as well. Well, you know, how how is it different in German? Because with other European languages, they're gendered as well. Mm -hmm. And so is it kind of like you know straightforward acceptance? Yes, this is the language. This is how the grammar works, and we communicate through it without ever you know putting much thought into it. Or is it really what has happened in the last? 30 plus years where people really are, you know, examining it, taking an in-depth look and then questioning, is this true? Mm -hmm. Has this affected our mentality yeah. to the point where we're also discriminating other people yeah. through our use of language? And also what's our storytelling? Because language tells a story we tell the same stories over and over it's a narrative that we have of ourselves of the world and we want to question that we want to get down to the core and not only look at things and realize that they are how they are but we want to know why they are how they are for hitting the bridge that is one of the points i would love to emphasize mm -hmm. if we could really get into the storytelling aspect in language and culture, just like you talked about, because mm -hmm. that is a point of interest for me. And on, in my own life, I feel I haven't made much progress in it. So we could kind of use this podcast as a platform to really, you know, take an in-depth understanding of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Which is a huge part of identity. It's very interesting, exactly. And is it an outside influence or is it our own story? That's the big question that I have. And also, although the world has grown together a lot, I still wonder if there's a lot of misunderstanding due to small cultural differences and a different use of language and way of thinking. For example, people say Germans lack humor. That's a stereotype that has been around forever. But why is that? Is that true or is it a misunderstanding? Because people don't understand the way Germans think when it comes to humor. Yeah, and therefore they completely miss out potentially on German humor. Yes. And I think what you were tying into uh, other European countries is how can we identify their story? Mm -hmm. And then not only that, but then how do we understand these other stories? Mm -hmm. And so we, we see these uh, similarities and differences. And I think with you as well, like we, and with me, like we are addressing the same topic 
from two different directions. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, this is about your story from your German roots that have been carried through and how you as an individual are branching out, yeah. how you are allowing your story to evolve. Yes. Even though this might be the same country, the same land, and the same language as your family where you came from. Mm-hmm. Just as the name shapes us, our identity or the perceived identity shapes us as well. So it's really interesting to look at it a little deeper and, you know, find some truth in it or question specific aspects of it. Yeah. And then for me, it's the bridge that I've created from an English native speaker and I've developed into a German speaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how that will influence my story as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though I'm at, in some respects, like if we're talking about roots and heritage, I'm answering a lot of the same questions that you are. And only by learning the German language have I successfully uncovered my own Germanic ancestry. Mm-hmm. And that's information now that wouldn't have been available had I not decided to go ahead and learn German have a little bit of interest and I mean with my search I got quite lucky to be honest but um, a lot of people they don't ever want to find any kinds of answers or the potential of getting answers. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed a trend on YouTube in the past few years where lots of preferably American expats come to Germany, explore the country with no knowledge of the language whatsoever and they're shocked by cultural differences and they found a huge audience and especially the German audience is very pleased by that because it's the first time they are confronted with themselves they get a reflection of themselves and an outside validation so to speak how others see us And because you have no one to reflect it back to you, yes, right? Or if there's um, very little mention of Germany or German products or German cities, German culture in media, even you know social media, then there you feel invisible. Mm-hmm. There's no visibility, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, but like you know, reaction content is very entertaining and still, you know, high value, especially on YouTube today. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that so many people have already made lots of videos. Mm -hmm. There's lots of great content out there already where, you know, people explore and find new things, discover meaning to things as well. But What we want to add to the whole conversation that is uh-huh. already going on is we want to ask why. Why are things the way they are? And then adding on to that, we talked about that image that you create in your mind that makes a stereotype take ground and become longstanding. And then we have experiences in reality Like, where, where does the why fit in onto the spectrum? Mm-hmm. The spectrum of stereotype and then of, like, real-life experiences in modern Germany today. Mm-hmm. And we certainly have very specific inspiration for making this podcast. Uh, for me especially, it's 
but sharing some beauty that I've found. I have to specify that, I think, because I struggled for many years with my German identity. I couldn't really name it. I didn't know what it was. Because if I could add on to something, that is one question I had hearing you talk about this and in our own conversations as well. Do you think you were aware that you were struggling specifically with a German identity? Because hmm. you just mentioned now, oh, you couldn't really put your finger on it. You couldn't name it. I think I somehow was. Really? Yeah, because I've refused to be German. I've refused to call myself German. I moved to Berlin because it's the least German place you will find in Germany. I was aware of the fact that I wasn't too comfortable with calling myself German. And as well, when I'm looking back to my childhood, I was in a lucky position where I could travel a lot. And when people asked me, hey, where are you from? And I told them from Germany, I saw their reaction. Really? Yes, absolutely. Right. And, and how would you describe that, hmm. looking back from your memories? I remember there wasn't a lot of curiosity about it. There wasn't a lot of knowledge. People knew absolutely nothing about it. The first time I traveled to the US, people asked me whether we had fridges in Germany or whether we still had carriages with horses. And I was like, what? where does that image come from? Or do you think that they confused when you said, I'm German, I'm from Germany, did they confuse that with being Amish? Probably, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but because like, I, again, I don't, I don't know how they would come to that conclusion. But like once you said, I'm from Germany, how would you describe the reaction or the effect that the reaction had on you? Hmm. It was to a bit... It was a bit held back and I knew the conversation basically ended there. And sometimes they would say things like, oh, schnitzel and beer, haha. <laughs> and that's all you ever heard. And I... Because that's the image that they had. Yeah. They only had those two images saved. They knew they could say those two words. Yeah. They're the same words in English as they are in Germany, yeah. in German. So... And to me... They feel like they had a connection to it. They feel like, oh, look, I this is my understanding of it. I can share this with you. Yeah, but imagine an American walked up to you and said, hey, I'm an American, and you respond with, oh, cowboys. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense, and it certainly didn't make any sense to me when I heard schnitzel and beer, especially since I was a child. <laughs> but I think that shows you the influence media has yes. on how we understand other cultures or countries. Because like, if you want to look at it from the other way around... From me, I could understand why someone would be like, ha-ha, those cowboys. Because if we're talking about Western films, they were really big in Germany. Yeah. Right? And that was the Germans' understanding of life in the U.S., of what kind of entertainment was available from America. Mm -hmm. And that created a very strong image. And the association is Cowboys America you know, film, entertainment, that's what they know now. Yeah. They learn something. But it's like, oh, Texas is America and Bavaria is Germany. And when you're from the country itself, you know that's absolutely not true. And I see so many things that I would love to share with other people who are interested, 
who are willing to discover something new and explore and come on a journey with us. And what I also notice, especially with Americans, is when you ask them whether they want to explore Europe, the first countries that come to mind are, are France and Italy and the UK. Well, because if we look at it, you know, Mediterranean influence is still very prominent. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at um, our history as English speakers and um, the whole connection there is between the UK historically yeah. and then the American colonies and how we maintained a relationship over historical periods. Mm -hmm. That is the main interest. Absolutely. If you ask people, have you ever considered traveling to Germany on vacation? And if you confront them with the fact that there are coastal areas, the black forest, huge, pretty forests. And the Alps. The Alps. Oh my God, the beauty of the Alps. And there's so much diversity in landscapes. And what I know from the UK and France, for example, is there's a huge northern, southern debate going on and there are huge differences and they fight over the But what I was related to as well... We have in Germany too. Oh, more than that. You could basically say that each area has their own unique kind of German. And sometimes people can't understand each other. That's why we have to learn standard German at school to communicate. Because, And then what, what changes came about strictly from the geography of the city or the villages? And what came from the changes that created a new German dialect mm -hmm. that shaped this culture and mindset? Mm -hmm. So I would love to introduce ourselves a little more so people get to know us. And I would love to start with you because I think it's really interesting how you came to Germany. So you already mentioned where you're originally from. So how long did you live in Minnesota? Well, I grew up in Minnesota, and I went to school in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota as well, and yeah, I came to Germany a few different times, actually. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much finished high school, and then I was in Germany for a three-week stay with the family. Was it the first time? That would have been the first time, mm -hmm. so right in uh, 2007, I believe. Mm -hmm. And quickly, did you learn German at school or did you come with no language, a knowledge of the language? Okay, one thing that I can say about myself, I pretty much woke up one day and said, I'm going to learn German. <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of what made me so interested in languages, but you know, for my background here, then I had a little bit of Spanish in school, but French was the main concentration that I had, and so I took French classes right from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, going off of that, then I thought, I'm going to learn German. And because I already had an idea about at least how Indo-European languages work, and I could learn it very quickly, I began just jumping over the basics, because I thought, you know what, I can do this, I can learn it very quickly. And so I was taking both French and German in school. And then in college, I took French and German and English as well. And what I can say is that I really came to Germany for the first time with 
you know, in like the honeymoon phase, like wearing the rose colored color glasses. <laughs> Cause, um, and I really wanted to push myself and have immersion. Cause other students, they went for the experience and when they were together again, like, you know, they met each other, you know, in between classes or after school, if there were a few different kids getting together in one big group, um, then it'd go right back into English and they were exactly the way that they were had they never left Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And I really tried to only be around the German students and uh, or even talking to younger kids and older people who really don't have a reference in English to me, communicate with me. Yeah. So I really had to, you know, practice what I could say and try to figure out how many different things I could say, could say at the one point because, you know, it wasn't like you could, you know, carry on with, you know, everything that you would typically want to express in your native language mm -hmm. so can you, need you to practice right and you, you need to start from somewhere and that's how I used uh, my experience there can you remember your specific mindset from that time how did you perceive Germany or German culture before and, you came here like before the first trip yes um yeah because that's the unfortunate thing and um with media even only if we're talking about photography Images are so important because that is all that we have. And it wasn't as mysterious with nothing to go off of had it been, you know, trying to have an abroad experience and learn a language in the 1970s or in the 1950s, right? We have access to the internet. And you would think, oh my gosh, that is just as good as opening up a library and looking at many books all at one time. And, you know, it, it makes, it's a digital virtual world, but it makes it more accessible. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a really strong um, idea of what it might actually be like. So what, what kind of resources did you use? Was it... YouTube back then? No, because like what was on YouTube at from 2005 to 2007, mm -hmm. and I, I don't know at what point it actually made sense to use YouTube for um, a reference or for content within the German language, but it wasn't way back then, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and but I loved books. And I only had, it pretty much was like a German classroom is kind of like how I imagined Germany in a way. I mean, it kind of sounds stupid, but like what I you know, mentioned about, you know, what you could access through the internet, if we take those images and maybe it's, like it's a German castle and it's a German bakery and um, it's a picture of the forest mm -hmm. and it's, you know, what it's like in Hamburg, what it's like in Berlin, what Munich looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and you blow them up, you make posters of them, you plaster the walls with them, and then you have, you know, literature books in German, and then you have your grammar book, and then you have a dictionary, and then you have um, a few chorus books to try to, you know, learn the language from a point of immersion, and that's it. Like, everything you can fit into what you know and understand about Germany and the German language, you can fit into one room. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? But, like, when you get there then how does that translate? How do those images and experiences begin changing? Oh, yeah. Would you say things fell apart at that point and you had to link them in a new way? 
for me, nothing fell apart. They, what, but what you mentioned, they really did, you know, become linked together oh, okay. and molded together. And for me, like, I don't have a very strong association to puzzles, but that's kind of how it was. Mm-hmm. Where I had these pieces, doesn't know how they fit together, but from being there for three weeks, then I could really see the pieces coming together. Mm-hmm. And then through my experiences, that really um, defined a clearer image. So it wasn't pixelated anymore. It wasn't, you know, fuzzy. It actually looked like I had an idea about what Germany is all about. Yeah, you could probably fill in some details that you couldn't before. Yeah, but at the same time, there, you know, it still wasn't accessible. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, even though I was interacting with the people to my best of my ability, through the German language, you know, saying as many basic sentences as I could, if I did have an opinion, you know, trying to, with these, like, small building blocks in the language, you know, try to only say simple sentences. Mm-hmm. But I knew that, hey, I'm communicating, and people understand me, and you I'm could. getting so much feedback. So feedback was great, beginning to hear a lot of people was great, but it was still undefined, because I would, you know, sit in, try to listen to a conversation between German native speakers, and I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> like I'm trying, like I'm trying to get bits and pieces of it. I'm trying to do a little bit of get, you know detective work and guessing, and trying to learn as many words acoustically as I can. But you know my understanding isn't to their level, of course. Mm-hmm. It's not just about vocabulary as well. So a lot of things don't translate in words. You really need to understand. Yeah, it's all about the meaning. And with everyday um, conversation topics, meaning was the easiest Mm -hmm. to understand from that, Mm -hmm. right? So so you can't really recall why you started learning in the first place. I woke up and I said, I'm learning German today. Okay. And I'm, I'm still living in Germany now. It's really interesting. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll find out through the course of this podcast. But I think I would like to tie that into that is how I still express it mm-hmm. today. But there is so much more to my own storytelling that I have yet to really develop. And that that is the journey that I have. And I think That is an important point of our friendship, too, and creating this podcast. And from my side, my story, and your own story, we're going to develop our narrative more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. So you've been living here for around about eight years. We've established that. And what would you say is your level of German right now? You did some tests. Yeah, sure. So I have done a bunch of testing. Because, like, kind of to, to sum it up, then during college, then I was a student at the German University in Jena. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for classes, then you have to take testing as well. They have um, the German, also Deutsch als Fremdsprache. Mm-hmm. So, like, German as a second language, they have their own unique testing for that. I've completed that. Um, I repeated that as well. And so, my level would be, because uh, they only test up to C1, mm-hmm. so C1 level that I have. And they also have um, also Goethe. 
Goethe-Institut? Ja, yeah, okay, es ist ein Institut, exactly. So Goethe-Institut. They have a few locations worldwide. Um, a couple they have in Germany. And I also have a C2 language level testing mm -hmm. from the Goethe certificate. Yeah. What's really fascinating to me is Alex and I usually speak in German. So this is a very new experience for both of us. <laughs> We rarely ever speak English to each other. The reason for that is that Alex's vocabulary is outstanding to me. I really? Oh my gosh. Outstanding. We have the most complex and complicated conversation about philosophical topics. About well, I find that very flattering because like you, you asked a little bit about my proficiency. I talked a little bit about testing and that really is only, you know, a small test. It's measurable, right? But in daily life, I kind of feel I crash and burn all the time. Or, you know, some days I still feel like, oh my goodness, my German is so good. And other days it's kind of like, I don't know if it's like a lack of energy or effort or I get into a funk. And then I think, oh my goodness, like my proficiency or what I can say about my language level, it really isn't there for me. But no matter what I'm going through mentally, apparently, then... When we get together and we, you know, start talking, then it, none of that matters. So it's not about anything measurable within a language. It really is about the way your your soul and your intellect is expressed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. through language. Mm -hmm. Things just flow. And that, that yeah. is so sweet of you to tell me. <laughs> oh my goodness. But then one thing I would like to ask you on that note is um, your interest within the English language, and you are self-proclaimed um, Anglophile. Oh, yeah. You love all things with England and British culture. And, you know, obviously, like, American culture is great, too, but you really have a focus on England. And yet, now that I'm your best friend, a native <laughs> speaker, why, why do you think that we only speak in German when we get together? Um, I think I do have an answer to that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. At first I wasn't sure, which is the usual thing when you meet a foreign person, do they really understand every single thing that I say? But you convinced me quickly that that was no barrier at all. And, well, you escaped um, a trap that many foreigners tap into okay i would say okay they come here and their german isn't at a level where they are fluent so when they start speaking to germans in german germans switch to english to make it easier for them to communicate which is a big mistake in my opinion because these people want to learn german they don't want to speak in english and and germans i don't know why they do it Maybe they want to practice English themselves. Or like how motivated are they? Yeah. Because like I, I saw a bunch of um, native English speakers and they come to Germany for a guest stay. So maybe they're there for four months, maybe one year, even two years in some cases. And what is their personal motivation and their mission for becoming immersed in the German language? Mm -hmm. You really, have, especially if you're coming in as a native English speaker with everything being English only in the media, pretty much, you really need to have a focus. You really need to set a goal for yourself and work on that every single day. Mm -hmm. And how motivated you are, what kind of people you're going to meet, 
it could easily come back into English. But from my experience, um, like I know what you're talking about and I have a bit of, of a phenomena because that is exactly what I thought was happening to me in Yena. And only at some point, then when other German students realized, oh my God, I actually know what I'm talking about. Then they realized they don't need to, like, there's no reason to speak English with me. Yeah. But beforehand, like, there were so many, and I don't know if it's like an Eastern German mentality when they come to study, or if it was only because of, like, the university setting, then they think, oh, native speaker, I get to practice English. Or, oh, wow, maybe she doesn't really know German or let's not give her a chance kind of a thing. You really have to fight for your chance. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I have to say. But just meeting people after my year in Jena, like I lived in uh, near Kiel in Schleswig-Holstein. And Kiel is another, it's like, you know, it's another college town. It's a university town. Um, I lived there. I lived in Munich. I lived in a few cities here in um, Baden-Württemberg. Mm-hmm. That has never happened to me since. Interesting. I meet somebody and it's only German all the time. Mm-hmm. They know that I'm not German. They know they begin, you know, if we get to talking, then I tell them where I'm from. They don't even try to speak to English with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you're living down south. I'm in the northern Black Forest. And while, you know, the biggest city here, Stuttgart, isn't that far away you know I don't go out there every month you know so I have a much more quiet life I'm more tuned into nature but even with that there is so much of the black forest I have yet to explore and visit Mm -hmm. and it's about kind of um, balancing it out with your daily life and doing only a little bit at a time and uh, there is always going to be much more to explore I can't possibly know of everything yet and it's always going to be new and exciting and that's a major connection between us as well although i've lived here for my whole life i still haven't seen everything and since we met we explored so much together and seeing things through your eyes really gave me new perspectives really and insights yeah absolutely that's nice we made observations that I wouldn't have noticed before, probably. And while we pretty much are locally based, kind of where you where you grew up and know where I live, I wouldn't really know of like what to do for an outing had it not been for you. So and, and, and beforehand, I would think that you give me so much more. You offer me so much more than what I can offer you. So hearing that. You still, you know, are getting a lot from my own perspective. It's fascinating. And yeah. maybe that's why we keep meeting up and we keep hanging out together. <laughs> and we have, you know, our same outings that we love to do, but we do end up expanding and doing things that you know about. Or, hey, you know, we want to go to um, like a chapel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, neither of us have been there, so I'm beginning going off on an adventure. So we really do enrich each other this life. Yeah, I think so. each other, right? And it wouldn't be possible without the German language. <laughs> we need the German language to do that. And um, so, are you planning to stay in Germany? That is an open-ended question. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, say that, you know, it's still part of a journey. In many ways, I've settled for the time being. But because 
if I came here and I didn't really have any roots and I'm about, you know, growing and developing, you know, you, you do need to reach a point in your life where you settle down a little bit, where you feel at home. And, you know, now I have that in Baden-Württemberg. Um, I, I would say up north in Schleswig-Holstein. It, it has a very homey feel for me as well. But I, again, I wouldn't want to live there long term. So do you feel integrated? For me, that is a very difficult question to answer mm -hmm. because I know I should say yes, and that is true. What would stop me from really accepting that yes, I'm integrated in German society now is, yeah, like I, I think I'm at the point where I feel like an outsider wherever I would go. And what, that I, what I love about that is um, I never want to lose the ability to observe and to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. But um, on the other hand, I am so much a part of it that I, I don't, it happened and I am unaware of it kind of. I kind of don't realize how much I've grown here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that that is hard to answer, but You know, obviously I, you know, I am at home here and, you know, I have a connection to uh, the people and it has become a huge part of my life now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that happens throughout time and it's so gradual you can't really, you know, observe an overnight change. And we talked a little bit about me, but I would like to ask you... A couple questions now. Go ahead. You ready? <laughs> um, what else would you like to share about yourself? Because we mentioned your roots and how you're from here in Baden-Württemberg and you've lived for many years in Berlin and now you have returned and I think you are on a quest. Yes. What else would you like to say? Well, My story of Berlin would make a whole entire episode, I guess. <laughs> well, then we have to stay tuned for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there's usually a reason behind why people move to Berlin for such a long time and then return to their home base. Definitely. Um, those were very important years during my 20s. Basically, my entire 20s I spent in Berlin. But I, I felt it was time to go back home down south and I feel very much home down here as well. It's a beautiful area and I love the nature that surrounds us. Of course I miss lots of things about Berlin and we'll get to that at some point. Because <laughs> it would kind of seem like in a way that, that we're running away right? Yes. Like I ran away to Germany, you ran away to Berlin. It's an escape, yeah. And it seems like only logically we would call it a return, that you're coming back. But for you, I think it is more of a pivotal point. Would you say that you are taking your life in a new direction? Oh, So yes. it's not a return. It's not that things remain stagnant, uh, stagnant and there's no change. How do you understand your new direction? Yes, definitely. I would say sometimes you... 
That's what people say. Sometimes you have to lose yourself to find yourself. And I think Berlin is an excellent place for that. You can get lost and lots of people do get lost. There are so many distractions. Yes. And I certainly did as well. I didn't only have a great time over there. But it's exploration. It's about eye-opening experiences that you would not have if you don't have anything to reflect what you are experiencing in your mm -hmm. life. If things only stay the same, same sceneries, same house, same mm -hmm. city, yeah. you don't have any room for change or growth. Yeah, you have unlimited freedom almost, and you have access to everything it feels, and you're confronted with yourself so much with temptation, and there's shadow sides of life. I would really say that about Berlin, um, the temptation. Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You, yeah if like, you, would you call it more like the dark side of humanity? Absolutely. <laughs> dark yeah. side of German society. Yeah, yeah. It's very I mean, different. It's a big life. city, you know. Um, but if you want to root yourself somewhere, I I wouldn't recommend to do that in Berlin. It's really a city to explore yourself. I love how you put that just now. And so. As you were continuing self-exploration here, what direction do you believe you're headed in? Are you headed into um, kind of growing roots and I, then maybe even taking a new course of change in life to really become rooted? Bits of both. I would say I'm reconnecting to my roots that I lost out of sight almost. For okay. a while, which mm -hmm. was good also. Definitely. But now I'm realizing they are parts of me still and I need to re-explore them or explore them. <laughs> and, and they're allowed to be a part of you. Yes. And I find beauty in them as well. As I mentioned before, I didn't always find beauty in that. I even, when I moved to Berlin, I trained so hard to get rid of my dialect. As many yeah, people you mentioned do. that. And mm. were, you, were you successful? Yeah. <laughs> well, people told me they couldn't hear any dialect anymore. And I had they a strong... They can't hear it. Yeah. Okay. And I had a strong one before. But now that I returned down south and people speak a very, very strong dialect down here, it comes back slightly, but I'm comfortable with it. I'm really comfortable, yeah. I think it's important to become comfortable with your roots and push your self-growth in other areas. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important thing, mm -hmm. definitely. And the next question I have for you is what inspired you personally to start this podcast with me? Ooh, I think our conversations are so intriguing all of the time so inspiring we're usually left with a big smile on our face and you know when we meet up we can talk for hours and hours and hours and we go for walks and we talk non-stop and then the time flies yes. and we have no idea how so many hours have passed yeah and all of a sudden it's 10 at night and <laughs> we, we have to go back home and then oh, we text no. each other oh it was such an amazing day and this thought is really st stuck with me and we i, I really thought we need to record that at some point it's 
maybe it's even therapy for us. I believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> and why not share it? And maybe people find it interesting as well. We gain so many insights from time to time and surprising insights as well. And I think it's about what to do with, with this exchange and insights and gaining perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think the greater message within our own storytelling and continuing to develop our narrative is connecting, mm -hmm. right? Like huge word. how we connect to each other how we connect to the greater German culture and society, and then maybe even giving other people insight or inspiration for continuing that conversation. Yeah, hitting the bridge, so to speak. Huh? Yes, and it's all about developing and maintaining that meaningful connection mm -hmm. and the meaning that you bring to it. Mm -hmm. So as we speak about it, in the future, we would really love to have guests on this podcast as well. Maybe that will come together at some point. And that was your idea, right? Mm -hmm. But like, why would we have a podcast if it would never be about, you know, hosting people? Yeah. And we might as well expand topics at some point. I'm really open to that because we share so many interests and Yeah, we're really open to making this podcast about connecting in every possible sense. Maybe we can give a little outlook on topics that we really find interesting that we might address in the future. Some fun bits such as um, why are Germans so obsessed with insurance policies? It's a topic, isn't it? Yes, and I believe there is psychological insight to it. <laughs> If that is clear to Germans few and far between, I don't know. Because yeah. I think they're really immersed in how they understand the value of insurance. And security as such. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, that's like the uh, psychological insight I would connect to it. They mm -hmm. need what is so fundamental about German mentality mm -hmm. that they need Security. Yeah. There's a great need for security. And predictability and punctuality and all these kinds of... Or like during the pandemic, the initial stages of it in 2020, and as each wave came on again, like in summer and then in fall and in winter, um, one phenomena that we noticed would be toilet paper shortages because there were people <laughs> that would buy toilet paper in bulk And what I found interesting on the news, they would address it and they would invite psychologists or sociologists to talk about it and they couldn't come to an understanding or, or, or explain why we are seeing this behavior. <laughs> and I thought, well, isn't it obvious? It's all about security. And if the Germans, for example, that the ones at least, not everyone, but the ones who are insisting on buying things in bulk, so they're not available for um, all consumers, then if they can't control what is happening in the world, and now this big thing like a pandemic and a virus that has their attention, they can't control what is happening in their own city, and if they can't control, for example, if they do end up um, contracting the, uh, the coronavirus, they can't control their body, they can't control their health, what can they control um, what they buy, mm -hmm. right? And if we're talking about um, any, any basics, any needs, 
any comfort. Comfort is the next important thing to security in German mentality, I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they need to, they need the toilet paper. And they need to be comfortable. And speaking about control, it's all about rules as well. There are laws for every single thing. And people even tend to control each other. Yeah, and so using the word, word control like this sounds a bit odd in English. I'm sure there are a lot of people that w would understand it. Mm -hmm. But um, what I can add to it is policing. It's oh, a yeah. type of policing exactly. control in order to control other people and their behavior as witnesses. Because mm -hmm. the whole concept of being a witness in German, pu in, yeah, German public is still a very, very strong point. Yeah, which would be another stereotype that Germans really have stare-down situations. Right? And I would, I still in a way believe that being, like the power you potentially have as a witness is more important to older generations and we don't see it as heavily in the behavior within the younger generations mm -hmm. but then again what are we doing now we have technology we have phones yeah we now and i think like that's why it isn't so crucial mm -hmm. for um younger generations to really point someone out or confront someone in public and say, hey, I'm watching you, I see what you're doing, I don't agree with what you're doing. Because all you have to do, you don't have, you can be silent. Because all you have to do when it comes down to it, if something really interesting or important is happening in public, mm -hmm. you just take out your phone, you start recording. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same concept, but um, used through different medium. Yes, and I would really love to explore the influence of the GDR on that as well. Most people are usually focused on World War II when they explore German history, but I think the GDR had a much bigger influence on our generation still. So now we're talking about the German Democratic Republic, right? Yes, <laughs> DDR in German. Also, we want to ask, how come patriotism isn't a thing? And We want to speak about city life versus rural life. We want to speak about fun things such as what's all the fuss about Schale. Schale, Alex. How can we understand the word Schale? The understanding of the word Schale comes down to a cultural concept. And you have to experience it. You have to like make your own drinks. You have to invite people over, talk about whatever over a Schale. Mm -hmm. Then you'll understand the meaning of the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another topic would be what's up with the Schlager craze and... The what? <laughs> yeah. Schlager. Schlager music. So now we're talking about music. Yeah. And you really haven't experienced German music if you haven't heard the top songs from the Schlager era. <laughs> But we can't really call it an era. It really is a genre because it still is very lively. You know, there's still people who love the music and there are bands that come out and play it all the time. It's still a very unique cultural scene, mm -hmm. right? So we hope you really join us on our journey. We have lots of things in stock. We want to play some fun games from time to time as well. We talk about the, you know, most influential or widely known German books or songs, or TV shows, movies, 
even what is iconic for German children that they grow up with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That typically is never covered in a German class or you'll never encounter if you live long-term in Germany and you're not around many Germans. You don't get into talking about mm -hmm. everything from, you know, childhood through adult life. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be super interesting, I think. Stay tuned. Because next time we'll be hitting, hitting the, the bridge. bridge. Thank <laughs> you.